Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Sure, It's good to be with you. Uh, my name is James. If you are tuning in and maybe you're new, one of the pastors here. Thank you, Roland and Jill. It is really good to sing about Jesus' love, uh, what he's done for us, who he is. Uh, before we get into our passage this morning, I just want to let you know about a few things uh, that are coming up. The first is next Sunday at 1.30 on Zoom, we have a special general meeting. And so we're calling this a budget part two. And essentially what happened is our finance committee, which are really, really wise, godly, they pray. Uh, they, they pray about all these decisions. Talking to the elders said, in light of COVID-19, what if we just prorated the budget? What if we just added six months to the already six-month interim budget because we designed that in, in, in light of COVID and we you know put some upgrades there, but we just added it, making it a full year. And so that's what we're doing. So we're essentially asking the members to approve an additional six month to be added to the already six-month budget uh, to complete a full year. Uh, but really... Um, what I want you to hear from me is we as elders, uh, we want to share with you what God's been doing in our lives. And so uh, most important and probably it's going to take the most time at that time together will be us just sharing with you what's God teaching us. Uh, what are we learning in this time together? Uh, we've had to go through some hard things. We had to get some clarity, unity. We have this renewed hope. Uh, we want to share an apology as well. And so just if you're a member of the shore, please, that's 1.30 next Sunday uh, after the gathering. Uh, second announcement before we get into our passage is we have all of our Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve information uh, up on the website. We're really excited about this. We're really praying that we get to gather in person uh, as well as online. But the real emphasis this year, as you know, with COVID is we want to make Jesus known. We want to tell more people that Jesus really did come. He really came to live the perfect life, to die in our place, to rise again so we can have great new life with God, relationship, all of that. And so uh, what we're doing is we're going to pre-record a Christmas Eve, kind of like a homey vibe, uh, you know, really warm Christmas Eve service. We're going to have it really uh, like edited, really nice for us. And then we want to have you invite your friends to have Christmas Eve at home, not with them, but you're going to give them an invite card and just say, hey, our church, because of COVID, is filming their Christmas Eve service. I've been praying for you. Hey, you know, we've been talking about God. Here's the little invite card. Next week, we're going to have business cards that you can come and swing by and pick up. We also bought some outreach books, Little Great Book by Matt Chandler, and An Even Better Christmas, and a new one by J.D. Greer, Searching for Christmas. These are little booklets that you can uh, invite your neighbor and just give them a gift, create your own package, and, and within that invite, invite them to a Christmas Eve service. So the big idea is Christmas Eve at home this year, uh, but Lord willing, we'll have two services here as well, but we'll let you know as Bonnie Henry lets us know. So, all right, Bible time. So if you have your Bible... Uh, please open it to 2 Corinthians. We're looking at verses, uh, chapter 5, verses 21, all the way to chapter 6, uh, verse 13. And let me tell you where we're going. We are first going to, after this sermon, uh, we're going to pause our Good Grace series in 2 Corinthians. And we're going to next week start a short Christmas series in John chapter 1, along with the others kind of uh, surrounding, you know, Advent passages. And then we're going to pick it up in the new year. 
on not being unequally yoked. So it's going to be awesome. Uh, let me begin. Let's read our passage, and then we'll pray, and I'll give you an outline, and then we'll get into it. So, so here's our passage. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Jesus, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as imposters and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your heart also. Let me pray. Father, I, I ask now that you would fill me with just your love. I, just, I pray that, that as I unpack this passage, as we listen together, that we would feel in our inward selves your presence but specifically your love would come through as this is Paul's motive in in just sharing with them that he's just widened his heart to them and I, I just pray as we listen to you through Paul uh, that Holy Spirit you would use my gifts I ask that the power of God would be very present in our living rooms now and wherever we're watching this, just the manifest presence and power of God would be accomplishing whatever you want to do, Father. I pray we'd really enjoy you. I I pray that no distractions would come in, no Christmas lists, no pop-ups, We would just really enjoy this time with our Savior, Jesus. And I pray this in your name, amen. Amen. Uh, All right, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine like your, you know, first century, um, you're in one of Paul's tents, okay? So he'd made a tent and he is like your spiritual father. He's your mentor. And so you're with him there. uh, And as we see in this text, you know, he has the spiritual fatherness over, over, the, over you know, the church. 
And so you've received the spirit, right? You, you, like what you have now, but your new creation at work within you is Jesus's heart, his kingdom is in you in which you move and have your being. God's making his appeal through you. You're really seeing yourself as an ambassador of Jesus as we saw last week. You have this amazing gospel message to proclaim, but you're sitting down with your, with your mentor, Paul. You're so excited because you have all of the life and the spirit with you. Uh, and so here's what your mentor would say. He would say four things now uh, after he's given you this message. He talked about his life in the spirit, how the love of Christ controls him. Uh, here's what he's going to say. And this is where we're going in our passage this morning. Number one, don't waste the grace given to you. Don't waste the grace. Second, he'll say purpose to put no obstacles in the way of others seeing Jesus. Make it your purpose there's nothing in, in people's way of seeing Christ. And then what he's going to do, because he's your mentor and he loves you, is he's going to tell you, here's 10 marks of servant ambassador life. Uh, th these kind of markers were going to be involved as you operate life in the spirit, as you're making Jesus known. And then fourth, uh, this is going to be really personal for him. But whenever you listen to someone go through something personal, the Lord does speak to you. Um, we're going to look at what God brought Paul through. And we may not endure all of these, but, but we're guaranteed that as Christians and followers of Jesus, the church will. And so that we're, we're just going to slow down. We're going to listen to our mentor, okay? So let me just say, as you saw in this passage, there is a lot. And so whenever there's a lot in a sermon and you go, oh man, I, just, I don't want to drink from a fire hose because I'm just going to go through these verses, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, would you show me and make it known uh, what's one or two things where you go, that one was for me. That was for me. All right, so just I'll give you five seconds to ask the Holy Spirit. All right, so number one, don't waste the grace. Don't waste it. Uh, we're going to begin in verse 21 where Josh left off last week. Look at this together. We'll look at more of this in communion when we, we celebrate together. But he says, for our sake, right? Oh, what love, you know, of, we just sang about it. For our sake, he, the Father, made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Jesus we might become this righteousness of God, the, the right standing with God, have his righteousness inside us. This is, this is the amazing gospel. God made Jesus to be our sin, okay? He really did become sin. All your sin, the liability of, of what you owe the, to suffer uh, the penal uh, consequences against all a real law, but all of the sins that were piled high, he really did become that. It was all placed on Jesus. On the cross, when he died, your sentence, the judgment deserved, was paid in full, eternally paid. Because he was fully God, fully man, he could eternally pay what we would owe against a sin, our sin against an eternal being. And he forgives you and he gives you his perfect life. We're going to talk about this more when we take communion. But he obeyed every beautiful and good command of the Father. He he fulfilled the law and in obeying it and fulfilling it he merits it to us he e-transfers all of the perfect life that Jesus lived into your account 
That's, that really happened. This is amazing. Okay, let's just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! That really happened. Now watch what he does. So he says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So he's like, don't waste the grace. You know, here's how one translation puts it. So we are asking you not to receive God's grace and then do nothing with it. It's like this is what really was driving Paul. He's He's like, look at what the way to receive the grace and have it not profit you is it, it's just to leave it alone. It, it, grace has this intended effect on being achieved. He's like, don't waste the ever-flowing, never-stopping, constant flow of mercy, enablement, and grace. Don't waste spreading Jesus, putting others' hands into his grace. It's always flowing. Our mentor, so remember, you're in the tent. Our mentor is saying, guys, it's always flowing. Don't waste it. It's always there for someone. It's always there for you. Bring it in. Live within it. Be about it. Always be talking about the grace and love that's in Christ Jesus. Declare it in how you live. But your mentor would say it should produce action. You know, it should come out in love and the message and and uh, okay, so here's what I want to do. I want to take, I want to take you to Paul's um, first letter to, to this church where I think he outlines this very, very well. He says this in 1 Corinthians 9. It'll be on the screen for you. He says, for though I am free from all, that's powerful gospel, I have made myself a servant to all. Remember, this is what God the Father is saying to us, that I might what? Win more of them. I want you to picture a big smile. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law. Why? That I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, this new love, that I might, what's the goal? Win. Those outside the law, to the weak, I became weak. That I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people. That by all means, I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. That I might share with them in its blessings. Wow. So, like, if you, you could probably picture his face. He is like, we get to share with them. In the blessings of being reconciled to God, he's really in love with his Savior and his friend Jesus. You need to remember this. Paul really met Jesus. He every day used disciplines to hear Jesus. He was led by Jesus. There, you just need to hear this. There is no obligation in our mentor's voice here. This is all invitation. This is like risk. It's like, hey, we're being controlled by the love of our friend Jesus who really did save us and he loves us. Paul, you got to know, he was in continuous marvel that he who knew no sin, that in his, in his friend Jesus, he got a new relationship with the Father. He, had, he has new gifts, this new power, and was being perfected, and that really controlled him. We saw that last week. The love of Christ controls me. Um, so, so here's what happens. From this point on, 
in our mentor's life, Paul just wanted to understand what is Jesus doing? That's all he thought about. He's, he thought, what is Jesus doing? He thought, how does Jesus love me? What does he want me to do? What's his kingdom, the rule of God looking like through me? He really enjoyed being with the person and then he really loved working with Jesus. And he thought, let's seize every opportunity. Where is he working and how I live and how I speak? That's exciting. And so he's, he's, he's really just saying, guys, don't let that grace sit. It's really, really good. Okay, now let me say this. Instead of us uh, getting to, you know, too quick about being self-introspective and, um, you know, oh, I don't do this enough or, or, or let's not give any room for uh, the accuser to say, hmm, see, you, uh, you just don't do it. Before we do any of that, because listen, the old has passed away. That's the old you. Uh, the old you listens to the accuser and bases your righteousness on what you can do for God. The new you bases all your righteousness on the righteousness of Jesus, what he's done for you. And so instead of getting to like, ah, what do I, blah, 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 let's just pray. So here's what I want to do. I have a prayer that I felt like the Lord wanted us to pray. And so I'm going to, you know, since none of you are physically here, we're going to do this together at home. And uh, I know right away, you know, if you're, especially if you're sitting down with your wife and it's hard for you to pray out loud with her, some of you guys won't do it. But let me encourage men, just lead this thing, all right? Okay, we're going to pray this. It's on the screen. Father, I... There we go. Yes, I sincerely want to be passionate for you. Would you fill me to love the things you love? Help me to listen, to risk, and to be active with you in order to win those you love. Amen. At this point, I just want you to hear that God really loves you. And that's why this passage says we work with him. Right? There's more people that he's inviting in to forgive them and to reconcile them to the Father. We saw this last week. So, so let me just say this. Before you, uh, you know, meet with someone, maybe you're doing a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, walk with your immediate family, I guess. But like when, when all this restrictions are lifted and you're, you're talking with someone, whether on Zoom or at work or wherever you meet people, um, before you do that, I want you to pray, God, what do you love about this person? And maybe this is someone that you've been sharing Jesus with forever and they're just not there yet. Maybe just think, what do you love about that person? And then thank God for that. And let me encourage you, just go tell them about that. Just tell them, hey, I really, really love this about you and I was thanking God for you. Or just tell them, hey, I was praying and I felt I was praying for you and I just want you to know that like God really loves you. And here's what he loves about you. Um, let me say it this way. <clears throat> I, I think so often the thing that we need to do when we need to break the ice, when we need to win others, is we just need to tell them I'm a Christian. Uh, and so <clears throat> even on Friday, I felt like the Lord in a prayer walk uh, asked me to, to bring a sandwich to someone downtown. 
why downtown? I asked him and I just got the sense. He said, this is not about you. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I'm downtown, but like anytime I'm now asking people or, or wanting to share anything of the gospel, of the gracious love of Christ, I actually now just begin, I'm a Christian. So with this guy, just came up, brought him a sandwich and said, hey, just so you know, I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus really rose from death. He's alive and he loves you. Um, my encouragement to you, when you are getting ready to take that leap and risk and you know Jesus is with you, just say you're a Christian and then throw out one or two truths about Jesus. You can say anything. You can, and you might know the person. You can be like, mom, you know I'm a Christian and that I believe that Jesus really loves you and that he rose from death and that he really came to forgive your sin. Just say truth as you're introducing the fact that you're a Christian and wherever you're going with the, whatever you want to say. I don't know about you, but aren't you hungry for this? Like, I, I, let me ask you this. When was the last time you did something and you felt as though God was in it? Where you just go, I, this, you know, I am with him and he is in this. So, so our mentor would say, don't waste the grace. Don't waste the grace. Well, here's the second thing our mentor Paul would say. He would say, purpose to put no obstacle in the way of others seeing Jesus. Look at verse three, it'll be on the screen, but he says this, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. So what's an obstacle? Well, an obstacle is, you know, you can think of it in, in any kind of sport or you're driving, there's an obstacle. It's something that's in the way, something that hinders progress, something that can even cause someone to trip up and not make it. Um, so our mentor would say, he'd say to us, if offense is to be taken at the gospel, with the gospel, let it be because of the cross, not how you come across. Let the offense be the cross, not how you come across or, or how you're trusting in yourself or making it about you. If there's anything in your life which would be, you know, he's not saying be perfect. We're going to struggle. Our, our, we, we believe that Christ is our joy, but he's going, is there, is there stuff that when people would look at you, they would just laugh and excuse the truth, right? It, it was uh, like Murray Harris commentator says, it's always true that the life of a Christian is the most eloquent advertisement for the gospel. So I'm gonna ask you a really touchy question. Um, it's maybe more of a challenge. And this is, this is to those who you're being a, a light to. So to those unbelieving friends or neighbors, coworkers, in your life, who you already are kind of sharing aspects of God's life with, I, I wanna challenge you to ask them, is there anything that you see in my, beha in my behavior <clears throat> that's offensive? Like I want you to ask them, hey, can I just ask you a weird question? Um, you know, I gave you this book last year and, I, and you know I'm a Christian, I, I actually pray for you a lot. Do you, can I ask you, do you see in me any hypocrisy or insincerity? Uh, like, do any of my words come across as incompatible with what you know about Christianity? And if so, I need to change. I, I think you should do that. Now, here's what I know because I know you. Most of the time, the answer is gonna be no, right? Most people, I can say, if the shore you ask your neighbors and friends, they would say, you know what? Your life is actually remarkably consistent with your message. You are very, like, you would, you would hear that. But here's why I asked that question. If you hesitated, 
when I asked it, to even consider asking your unbelieving mom or your unbelieving brother or friend that question, not because of the awkwardness, but more because the answer may be yes. Listen, don't rip yourself apart. Just say, oh, wow, Jesus, that's it. What you just showed me, that's what you want to heal. That's what you want to replace with your love. Let me ask it another way. Where would people find fault with you? Like, if someone followed your social media, how would they describe your attitude, your love? Who do you need to stop throwing rocks at? Um, who, who do you need to stop judging because you actually really don't know them? Uh, who, you know, like how are you coming across? And, and Paul, it's interesting because he doesn't say put no obstacles so that people would think well of us. He says our ministry. This is not about us. Uh, let, let me just, you know, say when, when Jesus shows me an obstacle or someone speaks into my life, I'm very slow at seeing it, which is, just shows you my pride. But I'm really, I'm slow because what I do is I make it about me. And I don't make it about the ministry. I don't make it about people seeing Jesus. And I want to get quicker at that. I remember uh, maybe a year or two ago, uh, one of our dear, sweet, lovely community group leaders who I love, um, she called me and said, hey, there was a show that you referenced in one of your sermons and I would never wanna watch. I would never wanna let my boys watch that show. And when she said it, she she was so right. And the Lord just convicted me. There was an obstacle And I think, sure, we have to move towards each other and love that way. Um, Yeah. All right, so we've seen don't waste the grace. And and so you're taking notes, right? Because there's your spiritual father. You're sitting in the tent. You're like, man, that's good. That's really good. Okay, no obstacle. And you're praying. You don't want to, you know, you want to, you want to come across. So and then, and then he gets into, you know, he puts his like, serious notes down and he just wants to talk about the markers of what it looks like what's involved in in life in the spirit as an ambassador as an apostle of Christ Jesus so uh, here's where he gets really into the uh, boots on the ground after you leave the tent Uh, verse four and five but as servants that's your identity of God we commend ourselves in every way by great Endurance, that's the number one marker he starts with. This is what you're gonna need. You're gonna need the ability to stand under pressure and endure. Endure what? Endure in afflictions, in, in hardships, in calamities, in, in beatings, in imprisonments, in riots. Right, just you imagine you're sitting there first century listening to each one of them and, and you can actually see all this happening, different people in the church and you've, this happened to your dad and this, 
you just feel this. You feel there was an earthquake a few years ago in this part of the, you know, Rome. And this, you just go, oh man, I, this is what ministry is going to feel like for me. Labors, sleepless nights. I just want to pause here and um, I'm sure he's comfortable with me sharing this, but one of our elders, uh, Dale, we're going to pray for him right now. He's He's having a hard time sleeping, and he's had a few sleepless nights. And uh, as you know, he works at this city, and there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of different worldview stuff happening in our world. And uh, so we, can we just pause and we just pray for Dale right now? Just the whole body. Just, you know, let's just stop and we'll pray. Let's pray. Yeah, Father, Dale is your son. You love him. We ask in Jesus' name for your supernatural grace and peace to rest. Fill him with physical rest. And we ask for a great sleep. In Jesus' name. Great endurance. Um... Let me ask you this, what are you facing with great endurance this morning? So I feel like for some of you, it's the marriage you're in. For some of you, it's uh, one of your children. For some of you, it's feeling hopeless or unseen. For some of you, you feel like you're, you're just like in this cage of what people think of you, and you, you can't see a way out. I don't know what, what you're enduring, but I want you to know that the Father, Jesus, and the Spirit right now is, is next to you with his loving hand on yours, and I feel like he's saying to you, uh, keep going. Stay the course. I am with you. I am with you. Stay the course. Christianity does not guarantee heaven on earth. That's never promised. We're going to heaven, and you know, as Second Corinthians has been really so powerfully helpful, we are going to get new bodies. But some of us will go through hell here on earth. So he says, next, what, what's involved in this enduring? He says, we endure by purity. So how, how Paul, our mentor, do we endure? He says, we endure by uh, purity. I really think and believe he's speaking to the purity of motivation for your life, motivation for ministry, both in your behavior, it'll be seen in your behavior, but he's got a pure heart. There's no hidden stuff. We're not in this ministry, he's saying. We don't go out there to gain anything. We don't go out there with these hidden agendas. We don't have hidden sin. We don't have financial gain as a goal for us. We're, we're sincerely about Jesus Christ. Next, knowledge. He says, understanding. We have this theological clarity in these convictions as we go out. We come with practical wisdom, dependence on the spirit. Second, he says, the ambassador life in the spirit. Um, 
will, will be marked by patience. It's interesting he starts with this patience. Because ambassadors that are enduring trial, wave after wave after trial with people, most of them are with real people, he says, remember, the people are not the enemy. And so instead of going, well, you know, here's how I could get my own way in this situation, or how do I step in with my own best, you know, power, he says, you wait. But patience is you wait on God for his word. You wait on God. You wait with God without being provoked to anger and self-protection and self, you know, vengeance. You wait, you wait, you wait. Let me ask you this. I wonder what God would say if you asked him, what am I addicted to that is leading me to be so impatient? So where, where impatience shows up in your life, there's an addiction underneath it. What, what would that addiction be? Flesh and blood. Pay attention to what you hear in your mind when the pressure comes in. Because... Um, If you're sensing, oh man, you gotta, you gotta say something right now. Like you gotta get, you gotta post that thing. You need to, you need to. People need to hear your voice. Uh, you know, uh, if if there's no patience, and you're not, and what you hear in your mind is this, like, oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta respond. And you have all these reasons why that could be your flesh. That could also be the enemy. Patience stops and it waits on God. It goes right to God. Second, he says kindness. Okay, as, as slander is coming into your inbox or your, you know, your Instagram and, and someone rejects you outright or you're misunderstood or slandered as Paul was by this church. Um, you know, it's, it's I'm going to respond with kindness. I'm going to show friendliness. This word speaks of being warm-hearted. It, it speaks of being gentle and considerate and sympathetic. Okay, this one's interesting. Look at your Bible um, right at the end of, of verse 6. By the Holy Spirit. So you have this list of like fruits of the Spirit, but then he just says by the Holy Spirit. Now I wish, you know, I would put up my hand if I was in the tent. I'd be like, whoa, whoa, what do you mean by that? Because a lot of commentators, they have different, you know, some be like, this is the spiritual gifts. This is, this is uh, the spiritual fruit. This is, you know, what's empowering them all. But we actually don't know. Some, you know, and I appreciate those who go to Romans 14 where it says, you know, the kingdom of God is, is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of, but, of, uh, but of righteousness, of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Philippians 2, he talks about participation in the Holy Spirit. He has this third member of the Trinity being present. And I just want to say, if Jesus lived his life empowered by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, using the spiritual gifts as a model for us, which he did, I, I just think we need this one on our list. Like, if you want to be an empowered ambassador, full of the Spirit, life in the Spirit, you need to add Holy Spirit to your life. The Holy Spirit. Next, he says, genuine love. 
genuine love. I think at this moment, when he says that, this is when most of those in the room sitting down on that sand would go, ah. So come, Holy Spirit. I just pray that this one would just really rest on us. This is a divine love. This is a supernatural love. I think more than anything, this is the prayer we need in the church today. I think more than anything right now in our time, the prayer that we need most in this church today, in our church, in your life, is make me a 1 Corinthians 13 church. Fill us with God's love. Did you know that it takes God to love God? We need God's love. We need God's help. We need to be filled with this love. I want to read about this love. So 1 Corinthians, this is his first letter to the same church we're talking about. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, remember this passage is right in between the spiritual gifts. And he says, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have at Christmas, and if I deliver up my body, go be a missionary, be burned for the gospel, but have not love, I gain nothing. So love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I feel like if anything right now, just in what God's doing in my life, um, I think it's this. I remember when COVID first hit, one of the things God kept saying to me was rest in my love. And I remember just going, I don't like you, I just trying to work that out. And I think what he was saying to me is I want, I want to deepen you in my love. I want to make you more loving. I want you to carry my love. Do you know what I see in this passage? Is that becoming more like Jesus, there's no shortcuts to growth. Maturity and endurance and godliness is just, it takes time and waves and we become more loving. We become more like him. We get to go do what he did with him. Uh, one famous preacher was asked, why did it take God 40 years to mature Moses? And he answered, because he couldn't do it in 39. You know, this is growth. Next, he says, by truthful speech, I think this refers to clear uh, preaching or proclaiming the gospel. I think this is, you know, leaving nothing out, no compromise. Uh, you need, we need to hear this with the same love I just shared. But I need to say this, as followers of Jesus in our post-Christian, de-Christian, you know, racially tensioned, hostile, progressive, deconstructionist, politically charged culture, our call is to proclaim Jesus Christ, our call is to proclaim the whole counsel of God's word, to be truthful to the Bible in love. 
We need to care more about what he thinks than what everyone else thinks. That's what we need to be marked by. Next, he says, and the power of God. This is the energizing presence of God, his power. He's, we can't do any of this without, to any effect without his power. Here's what I think. I think for Paul, an imperative for us was a deep belief that he knew when he asked God for something, God had the power to do it. He just had the power every time. We need his power, his real presence to endure and, and, and to live out and to do this and all in his ministry. The power of God is also uh, seen in this passage in the unseen realm. The next verse he says, with weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Almost all commentators talk about that spiritual conflict. This is the armor of God. He would have more than likely have taught them that. Which takes us to number four. Okay, you're almost, we're almost through. Don't waste the grace. Put no obstacles on the people seeing Jesus. Here's what's going to mark you. And then here's where Paul goes. This is what God's brought me through. In verse eight, he says, through honor and dishonor. Right, when people are going, man, that was amazing. And we want to thank you for that. And we feel good when people love us. And, but what happens when numbers are going down or people are leaving and you get this, you know, like unjustified criticism and everything's shaped by misinformation, then how do you go? And he's like, we go through both. At one point, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2, which is his last letter, he says, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me. Literally says like, deserted me. He was not understood in his last letter. This one's amazing, and you can see it <clears throat> through slander and praise. We endure and through slander and praise. Um, he, he was never overinflated by praise because he just knew it wasn't him. It was just all the grace of God. He's like, who are we? Like, what, why are you guys arguing about who's Paul or Paul? It's like, we're just servants, you know? But he wasn't destroyed by slander. Let me ask you this. If you're being destroyed by slander, I think it would be good for you to get alone with, with God and go, why, why does slander hit me this hard? Because you're going to help me endure this. But what's underneath that? He says, next, we are treated as imposters and yet are true as unknown and yet well-known. He's like, no one knows us in the Roman Empire. No one knows us in the North Shore. But you know who really knows you? You know, oh, how well you are known by God. You are really known by God. And that's what counts. As dying and behold, we live. As punished and yet not killed. Verse 10 could be a whole sermon. It actually is by John Piper as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. That paradox is our Christian life. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. We're 
without Jesus, sorrow trumps joy. Material gain becomes kind of the only goal. But with him, joy flourishes in the midst of all of it, even in the middle of like financial pain or lack or physical pain or death or as having nothing yet possessing everything. Paul's life was like a roller coaster. He had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. But through it all, it was worth it because he found the pearl. You know, he found the pearl. If you go to Matthew, where are we here? Matthew 13. It's going to read two verses. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search for fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and, and bought it. He just, he got the pearl. Jesus being with him was more precious to him than any comfort. It was more to be desired than any wealth. Can I ask you, is that true? In your life, is Jesus more precious to you than any comfort and more to be desired than anything that wealth? I want to say it really, really clear to us, sure. It's worth it everything to follow Jesus. It's worth everything to follow him. It's worth everything to walk with him, to do ministry with him. It's worth everything to serve him, to lose our lives for him. It's worth selling everything to gain Jesus. Then our mentor, he would look at us and he would say, are you ready? And then he would say, let's go do it. Let's go do it. And one or two of them would be like, wait, 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 what? I thought we just like learned about all this. No, no. Let's go do it. Let's go work with him. And then he would leave. And we'd be like, all right, let's go. Let's go do it. So, Father, I just thank you for just this time to really sit and to have our hearts empowered by grace. I pray that you would awaken in our hearts a love for the pearl of, that is Jesus Christ. And I pray that when we close our Bibles in the morning, that we would close them with one hand out with you and ready to go do it. Go work with him. And go risk. And, and go pray and go love and go empowered with spiritual gifts and go by purity and go by knowledge and have truthful speech and 
with the Holy Spirit, expecting the power of God in our day. And just, let's go do it. We, we're ambassadors. Let's, I just pray that you would increase within the shore a life with Jesus Christ. I pray like Paul, we would ask you, what are you, what are you wanting to do every day? And we'd really enjoy it. Maybe some days you just want to do nothing. But Lord, may we not waste the grace of God in vain. It's always there. It's always pouring out. We always have it within us and for others. So I pray in the name of Jesus that you would blow your power over the shore. Increase your works prepared beforehand that we may walk in them. I pray we would be really excited and anticipating what you want to do. I pray risk wouldn't feel scary. It would feel worth it. And Lord, we're, as we risk, we will be met with a lot of this. So I pray when it goes hard for us, we wouldn't give up. In Jesus' name, amen.